0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn them to the book of John. And I hope that I can take you, and I, I, you know, this message has been on my heart today for some time, and I started to say, well, maybe I should wait until it's a better weather day, and I hope to take you on a, a, on a scriptural journey this morning. I hope to take you, uh, if you would, and I, I, don't, I'm, I don't claim to be that talented, but I hope I can, in your imagination, just a little bit, take you back in time, uh, actually a long ways back in time, to uh, the city of Jerusalem. So we don't read from John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. As we look at the scripture, we read that sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem For one of the Jewish festivals. Now why would Jesus go to a Jewish festival? That's easy. He was a Jew. He was a Jew. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate. And there's there's many gates that surround the city of Jerusalem. You've heard uh, the most common gate to us as Christians is the Eastern Gate. Um, But now in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate. And we'll tell you more about that as we get into the message, which is in the Aramaic, is called Bethesda, and is which is surrounded by five colored, co- covered, colonnades. Now I don't know. John's been to Israel. Anybody else in the room been to Israel this morning? Nobody been to Israel. Okay. Um, we uh, did you all get to go to the Sheep Gate? Did you all go to the Sheep Gate to the Pool of Bethesda? Okay. So so you can. We've been there. We've seen the uh, the the. Uh, you know, the uh, archives and all this of, of this particular area. It's, it's quite fascinating, to be uh, honest with you. When we think of pools, sometimes we think of a little uh, a goldfish pond. These were massive pools. They were massive pools, okay? Actually very deep. In, uh, but there was also five col- covered colonnades. If you would, we would probably call them gazebos or porches, but they were quite large. Here are a great number of disabled people, and I like this word, used to lie. Used to lie. Past tense. Here were a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Hmm. That's a crazy question, isn't it? But I want you to pay attention to what the invalid answered. He said, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He didn't say, yeah, I want to be healed. He said, well, I've got this problem. I can't get into that water when I think I need to get in that water. So I can't get healed. Then Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. Now, we've all probably heard this account before. I don't like calling them stories. I told y'all before my, when I was when I was growing up. I was my mom was strict and, and she didn't allow us to use the word lie. And so I was taught if you told somebody told a lie, they either said a fib or they told a story. So story to me sometimes sounds like it might not be true, but this is true. This happened. This occurred in Jerusalem. It's not a Parable. It's a, it's a recording of a actual occurrence. The place is Bethesda, but uh, or, or, and, and in that that means house of mercy, house of mercy. You know what? I, I'm thankful for mercy. I need it more and more. It seems like every day. Uh, you know, the Lord was merciful to me. He's it, been so merciful to me in many, many ways. He's still merciful to me every single day. He is to you too. You may not even realize. I probably don't even realize at certain times in my life how merciful the Lord is. This, and this Bethesda, this house of mercy, this was where desperate people went for help. This place was full of desperate people. The colonnades were actually built for the purpose of giving shelter to all of the invalids and all of the blind, all the sick people that existed. It was, it was, if you would, it was a public courtesy of short, of sorts. It was put there to help out the people that were sick. Listen, you all have heard that. The old saying, location is everything. Location, location, location. Location is everything. This, this, this p- the pool of Bethesda, and actually there's more than one pool right there in that immediate area. And, 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 and these colonnades or porches are located near the sheep gate, and which also is the location. There were several temples in that. In that time, in that dispensation, if you would, there were many temples located right in that area. All of them weren't Jewish temples necessarily. So at the Sheep Gate, the pool was strategically located near the temple to allow for the washing of the ceremonial sheep that would be offered for sacrifice in the temple. That's where it gets its name, the Sheep Gate, from. That's where sacrifice came to be made. And the preparation was made at these pools. So that would allow, that would put, if you would, the sick people, the invalid, the blind, the deaf, the dumb, whatever disease they could have possibly had, that put these sick folk within close proximity of the temple as they were waiting anxiously for their healing. Sometimes we get in close proximity, but we don't get our healing. Sometimes we, we, we put ourselves, at least we think we're putting ourselves in the right place at the, at the right time, But yet healing doesn't come. Location, location, location. And I'm not insinuating that they were doing anything wrong. In fact, they were probably doing a lot of things right. But then, when we look at the design of the place, there were so many afflicted people that five porches, these colonnades were erected for the purpose of celebrating these sickly people Day after day, month after month, and apparently, from as we can interpret from this passage of Scripture, there are people that had been there for years and years and years waiting on their deliverance or their healing. So it's the house of mercy, location is of the essence. And the design is made to, if you would, to care for or to comfort those that were waiting. Five just happens to be considered the number of mercy. And I'm not sure if that has anything to do with it, but I think it is likely. And so five colonnades in Bethesda, that is, uh, everything is pointing to mercy, mercy, mercy. Everybody was looking for mercy. They were looking for their touch. They are looking to be ministered to and to be healed. But here's the circumstance. There is no record of how many people, if any, were healed in that pool. There's no recorded evidence that anybody was ever healed in the pool of Bethesda. Have you ever... I, I've told the story I think before about the 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 woman that she cuts one end off, she cuts both ends off of the ham before she put it in the oven and bakes it and her her daughter's watching her and she says mom why do you cut both ends of the ham off before you put it in the oven to bake it she said sweetie I really don't know you have to ask your grandmother that's just what she taught me to do. So the next time the little girl's at grandma's house, she says, grandma, why did you, why did you teach mama to cut the ends of the ham off before she ever baked it? She said, well, I really didn't know that I taught her that, but the reason I cut the ends of the ham off is because I didn't have a pot big enough for it to fit in. Sometimes we do things and we don't know why we do things. Sometimes we believe things and we don't know why. We even believe something. Well, I've just always done it that way. Yeah. You know, why do I like Chevrolets? Because my dad likes Chevrolets, okay? Why why do, why? do you have certain tastes? Why do you have certain things that appeal to you? Because it's just always been that way. I worked in manufacturing industry for 21 years and we went through a couple different processes but uh, we went through a a system that was called the Kanban system, K-A-N-B-A-N. Kanban system, and that was working more efficiently. Then we went through a system called the Toyota system because the Japanese Toyota company, they had it all together. And one of the things would happen when we'd go into a work center and we would start evaluating it is one reason, one of the things that we would first do, one of they called it low-hanging fruit, we'd say, why are you doing this the way you're doing it? And most of the time, people don't even know. Well, that's just the way somebody taught me to do it. Well, why don't you try putting all of this tool being or this tool table over here so you don't have to turn around and walk to the other side of the table and get your tools down off the wall? Why don't you try a tool station over here? Well, I never really thought about that. We've just always done it that way. Here in this, in this situation, there's people that have been laid under this colonnade for years and years and years. One of these five colonnades, I should say. They, some of them maybe don't even know why somebody said, well, you know, somebody said something about a pool over here and somebody said, another one said, well, I've heard that there's an angel that shows up every once in a while. Somebody else said, well, I don't know, but my grandma's My grandma's, pawpaw's, first cousin's, second wife's aunt, they said she got healed over there, but I really didn't know her. I don't know if she did. And and so there's all kinds of theories probably of why people are sitting there. But they're staying there for extensive amounts of times. We don't know exactly how long this invalid man had been laying there. He had been an invalid for 38 years. But when you read the word, I think it's it's to me, there's there, there's great uh, evidence there as in the wording and the way it is described that this man had been at the colonnades for a lot of years. Maybe not all 38 years of his life, but certainly a significant portion of his life. In that length of time, let's hypothetically, let's say he had been laying there For since he was 18 years old, in 20 years. For 20 years, he's been laying there, waiting on something to happen. People are stepping over top of him. People are are going around him. People are are, are throwing him crumbs of bread. But but let's hypothetically, let's just say for 20 years, he's been laying there, and people have been walking over top of him. and, And he says, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And he said, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. Let's talk about the pool just a minute. Let me, let me in your in your mind, in your imagination. Let's go over here, and, and and this is this is right, like in the heart of Jerusalem. It's right in the middle of Old Jerusalem. And during this era of time, when all this takes place, the Grecian Empire was the dominant people group of the known world at that time, and that also took in Jerusalem, and. The Jews actually took on a lot of the Greek culture, if you would. They had adopted the Greek culture. The ancient Greeks worshipped a pagan god that is pronounced Ashley Pion. Ashley Pion. And Ashley Pion was also had a nickname, if you would, or a a short name, an abbreviated name, and his name was the God of Hap. So this Greek god, this Greek god, this god ash also known as the god of Hap, Hap is the, uh, you know, it's a common practice in the English language that many of our words in the English language have Greek origin. And in this circumstance, happenings, happenstance, along with any of, most other words that happen to do with chance or coincidence as we call it have been derived from hap. Well how are you well where'd you come from? Well it just happened I was coming this way today. How did you get so good looking? Well it just happened that my mom and dad had good genes. So 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 in, 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 when we, you study this out in, in, in a historical fashion, you find that the mythological god of Hap had the attention of people. During the peak time, during their peak, the Greeks would build centers, uh, if you would, or these healing pools that were called Asclepias. And all across the empire, the Grecian empire, including Jerusalem, these pools were erected for healing. Now the legend has it, the superstitious belief, the legend of, of Asclepion, the god Hap, was the that the angel would come down, an angel, not the angel, but an angel would come down from heaven, and that angel would touch the water. You see, a lot of times when we read this story, we think that it's talking about the angel of the Lord. But if you read there, it doesn't say the angel; it says an angel, and it's in lower case. But 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 an angel of the Lord would come down and and would. Or not an angel of the Lord, but an angel would come down and touch the waters. Hap. The Greek god, Hap. And when the waters were disturbed or rippled, just like the ones in the overhead, sort of. When the ripples were were transferring through the water after this angel, this mythological Greek, false Greek god, touched the waters if you could get over there and get in the water while it was still rippling around you would be healed boy that's exciting news to an invalid that's exciting news to a person that needs to be healed so so you had to get over there and you had to get over there first it, Listen, because of the Greek influence in uh, Jerusalem in this day, many of the pools in the city were a popular spot for the ill and the disabled and all the sick to go hang out because they were just waiting on their chance to be healed if they were quick enough to get in there. Now, sometimes even unbelievers but sometimes even believers sometimes we have a skewed perception of who and how who god is and how god's work when when jesus asked this guy if he wanted to be healed this fellow's thinking automatically goes to this is the guy that's going to get me over to that pool and throw me in whenever the waters are troubled that was the thinking that this guy said. That's what he was looking for. He was just looking for somebody to take him to the pool while the waters were troubled. And sometimes you and I are just looking for somebody to take us to the pool when waters are troubled. But I want you to think about this. Jesus is not a resource. Jesus is the source. You see, this, this, this invalid of 38 years, he was looking for a resource. He was looking for somebody to get him to the pool. He wanted a resource. He didn't, he, he called Jesus, sir. He didn't call him rabbi. He didn't call him Yahweh. He didn't call him anything. He called him sir. He did not recognize Jesus as his source. He was only looking at Jesus as a resource to get him to what he thought was his source. But his source really wasn't real because we have no evidence anybody's ever been healed in that pool anyway. Are you with me? Have I I confused you yet? So what we find is... When Jesus asked this guy if he wanted to be healed, this fellow is thinking this is my ticket to the water in the proper time. He did not perceive Jesus as his source. He considered him a resource. Jesus must be more than a resource to us. His presence is found in Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. When Jesus becomes our source and we quit looking at him as a resource to get us what we want, then I think we will find the deliverance we need in whatever situation it may be but we have to change our way of thinking or looking at god but why can i say that because the psalmist said in psalm 16 and 2 that every good thing comes from god he's your source Every good thing comes from God. He's your source. In 1 Chronicles 29 and 14, everything comes from God. He's your source. In Romans 11 and 36, from Him and through Him all things exist. He is your source. 1 Corinthians 8 and 6, He is the source of all things. Philippians 4 and 19 identifies the Lord as the source of all things as well. So Jesus is not a resource, but He is the source of of everything we need. And there's a tremendous difference in that. Jesus is more than a helper. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is more than a helper. Jesus is a healer. You see our perception of jesus is 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 sometimes just as skewed as this cripple guy oh you know i i i've tried to think of a i try to think of a hypothetical i tried to think of an illustration and pardon me maybe my mind's just too simple and maybe you know I, I, I but i i you know i think cars and mechanical things and so much so often but but i thought about if if somebody gave you a gift card. If somebody gave you a gift card, let's say it's Sam's or Walmart, it could be anywhere. It could be down here to King Tire. If somebody gives you a gift card and to a local tire shop to get you a new, to get you some new tires, but rather than going to get you new tires, you just go down there and you make the decision to just get a tire patched up. You really haven't got the healing that you need. You've only got to help to make it a few more miles down the road. You know, sometimes, man, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I had a western flyer. Y'all know what a western flyer is. Y'all don't remember the western flyer. I had a, I had a black western flyer. It was used. My cousin had done wore it out. It had white racing stripes down it. It it had, listen, there wasn't no gears on bicycles back in. Uh huh. Uh -uh. No, you you only gears you had was your two little legs pedaling that thing. That thing had fat tires on it, about this wide. Didn't have no brakes on it, but man, that was a good bicycle, best bicycle I ever had in my life. But but you know, if we get out riding, and I'd have, I'd have flat tires with those things. I want to tell you one of the early life lessons that my dad gave me was how to use monkey grip. Any of y'all know what monkey grip is? Huh. Monkey grip used to come in can, come in a little can about this tall and, and about this wide and about this thick, and and monkey inside the monkey grip can, the top of the can had a scraper on it, and then when you took the top off, inside the monkey grip can, there were little rubber patches about this big around and a little tube of monkey grip glue, and when you had a flat tire, then you would take it take the I, Daddy taught me early on how to take the wheel off my my Western Flyer. You take the wheel off. He taught me how to take the tire off the rim, pull the tube out of that thing, and I want to tell you why I was good at monkey grip. It even when you did monkey grip, you even had permission to play with matches because you you would take that scraper and you'd scrub that old inner tube. And then, and then you would, you would put that glue on that old yellow glue on that, you know, usually I'd sniff a little bit of it before I took, you know, I didn't know joke. And and I'd take a sniff of it, and then I'd squeeze it out on that hole, and then I would take a a match, with permission of course, and I'd take a match and I'd light it and let it burn off a little bit, and then, boom, slap that rubber patch. Dave, you ever done that? Yeah, Dave has done that. I'm glad somebody else in in the room knows what monkey grip is. So, but, you know, after you do that a few times, you could take that inner tube out and you could blow that inner tube up and it had so many monkey grip patches on and it. It lo- it was so deformed and so messed up. And, and uh, let me tell you something. You could, monkey, you could get by with monkey grip for a while. But you couldn't make it to the rest of your life. You follow my point? We can pat, we can go and we can, we can find a helper and, and we can get things patched up. We can throw monkey grip on, you know, we, we got a thorn in our tire. We throw some monkey grip on it, you know, and we move along. Next time we go get some more monkey grip. But here's the deal. Uh, we, we need more than just a temporary fix. We need something that is going to make us new. We need more than a helper. We need a healer. You see, our, our Jesus is not the vehicle to the source. Jesus is the source. And when we stop thinking about Jesus as being the vehicle to the source and realize He is the source, then I believe we will get so much more out of what we need, there's so much more. Many of our needs that will be met. This guy, Jesus comes by. He don't know who this guy is, and and of all the hundreds of people that are probably laying there that Jesus could stop and t- talk to, I don't know why he just stopped and talked to this one guy. That's all we have record of, any, at least anyway. This morning, and, and and he says, what he said, he he said, what can I do for you? Do you want to be healed? And this guy said, well, I just need somebody to pick me up and carry me over and put me in the water when the time's right the odds of that happening really were zero because we know that that, that mythological god didn't exist it was only in the minds it was that's why they call it myth- mythology but even if he even if if hap had existed even if hap had been real and existed and he come down and he touched that water and you had to be the first one what were the chances what were the odds of you being healed they weren't, they weren't too good. But let me say this to you. Jesus does not operate in a system of odds. It's not, well, I just hope there's some chance that the Lord will heal me. No, 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 no. Jesus doesn't operate in chance. Jesus doesn't operate in odds. Jesus is divine. He is sovereign. He is in charge. He is in control. He is no respecter of person. And if we will seek Him, seek His face, and we will seek Him as our source and not our resource, we will seek Him as our healer and not just a helper, I think it's amazing what we will see God do in our lives. We trust Him in that manner. You know, uh, I'm not an insurance man, but but you know, I you know I, I'm exposed to some of that stuff, and through my years at uh, serving at the conference level, we have uh, we've had a lot of liability. Matters that we have to look at with the swimming pool and the campground and climbing tower. We have a lot of liability things that matters that we have to think about even right here as a church at Voice of Praise. And uh, there is uh, there is an uh, insurance term, if you would, or a legal term. It's called a no-risk clause. Mm-hmm. No-risk clause. Somebody said, well, there's a risk to everything. No. There's not a risk to everything. To everything, everything in the material issues of life and financial decisions, there's, there's risk. And, you know, there's risk if you buy a car or a truck, it could be a lemon, especially if it's a Ford. And, and, you know, there, there's risk everywhere you look. There's risk everywhere you go. But let me tell you something. There is no risk. There was a risk that the legend of this false God, and it was, even existed. There was a risk, but yet dozens of people were willing to take that risk. They would go and lay under those porches day after day, week after week, year after year. They were taking a risk. They had a hope and they were taking a risk that it was true, even though they'd never seen it. They were desperate. They were in search of hope. And quite frankly, they were just grabbing at straws. You know, sometimes you and I get desperate in our life, and we grab at straws. I'm not—I don't have any ministry in my mind right now, so I'm not—I'm not insinuating anybody. Don't jump to the conclusion. But that's—that's that's why some people even get caught up in cults, if you would, is because they're desperate and they're grabbing at straws. Somebody's telling them what they want to hear or what they think they need to hear. Taking a chance on Hap coming down and troubling the waters. Taking a chance that he was real and it was going to happen. They were risking that it was even true. But they were hoping it was. But let me tell you something. There's no risk in Jesus there's no risk found in Jesus. When He comes along, and if you would, and we, there was an old song the Henson sang years ago. He will calm the troubled waters of your soul. But when Jesus comes on, you see, Jesus, it's not. It's, there's not a risk factor in following Jesus. How can you say that, man? I say that because I believe this is true. I believe this is true. Now, if I don't believe this is true, then then I have a risk. I had somebody one occasion. You've probably had this happen to you too. I had one occasion many years ago. I, I worked with a fellow, and that fella, he said, He said, you're doing all this stuff. You're doing all this Christian stuff. All the he called it religious stuff. He said you're doing all this stuff, living all these, li- you know, living your life in this manner, that manner. He said he said going all the church and doing all the church stuff. You know, paying your tithes. He said, what What if you find out you've been wrong that there is no God? I said, I have everything in writing to prove what I believe. I said but let's say that you've got a ballot point. And let's say when it's all said and done, let's say you knew what you were talking about and there is no God. I said, you know what? I still haven't missed a thing in the world by loving on people and giving to the kingdom as I believe it. I said... So if you're right and I'm wrong, I haven't missed a thing. I said, however, if I'm right and you're wrong, think of the consequences. I said, I have a book. They're filled with promises. Not just promises, but they're filled with truths. So, I don't consider serving the Lord a risk at all. I don't wake up and say, Oh, what if I'm doing all this? And it's not really God. No, 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 no. Now, I don't, that, that thought doesn't enter my mind. Because, you know what? Going back to this, this God that is known in slang terms as Hap. This, this Greek, this mythological God, Asclepion. I don't see that he ever was born that he was ever crucified that he was ever placed in a tomb and he ever rose from the dead I don't find that but I find that Jesus did therefore I'm not at risk in following him because his word is true I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes I know our crowd is, is 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 small this morning with the weather being what it is. I just want to ask you a question. If you're in this room today, we, we assume everything. I make assumptions. You make assumptions. But if you're in this room today and you've never surrendered your heart and life to Jesus with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just up your hand for me this morning? Say, pray for me, Pastor. Okay, I assume by the rack. The lack of response, everybody in this room is like, and look, look this way just a minute. This is what I want to ask you. I want, I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to go back one slide. You sat in this room this morning, or you may be watching it live stream, but as you hear my voice... We all have our difficult times. We all have our stuff that we go through. It can be physical. It can be emotional. It can be a lot of different things. But I want to ask you this question. Have you let Jesus be your source? Are you just trying to allow Him or use Him as your resource? There's a difference. Jesus is my source. He is my source. I had one of my bosses call me in one day. He said, he said, I, he said. And we were in cubicles. Everybody in the whole office complex heard him. And he threatened to fire me. And he threatened to fire me. I walked out of his office. I just took me a walk back through the, back to, to the factory, back through the, the shop. And uh, I was just <whistles> it's going on my merry way, you know. And I, one of my co-workers, he, he come running. He chased me down. He said, man, are you all right? I said, yeah, why? He said, Harry just threatened to fire you. I said, Yeah. He said, well, what are you going to do if he fires you? I said, God give me this job. God give me another. The name of that company was Mixing Equipment. I said... I said, mixing equipment is not my source. Mixing equipment is not my source. Your job where you're at, whether it's coal mines, uh, you know, uh, insurance company, whatever, Willow Creek, in in the financial sense, in the well-being, yes, I know you're dependent on that paycheck, but that is not your source. Your medication is not your source. You know, those, 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 are, those are resources. But our source is in Jesus Christ. He determines my goings in and He determines my coming out. I'm not waiting on somebody to pick me up and put me in a pool. You see, these invalids, these sick people, they were dependent upon somebody else to pick them up and take them to the pool. I'm not dependent on that. Jesus is my source. He determines my coming in and my going out and He knows what is best for me. So this morning, if you're in this room, maybe you're watching my live stream today, you've not let Jesus... Be your source. You've been pursuing other means, other things, other ways. If you're not letting Jesus be your source, I'd like to pray with you. Is there anybody in this room right now that say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need Jesus.